This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies. I am Matt Bungard. Alongside me, as always, Mitch Doyle. Hello. Good day, everybody. And joining us, uh, Camden's favourite son. It's not James Tedesco. It's Nick Campton. Hello. Hey, everybody. Yes. Uh, no off-field uh, Squid Game-related incidents for you, so you go to the top of the Camden Power Rankings. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, but for how long? But for how long? Well, it's in the blood, isn't it? Well, um, yeah. Anyway, so we're back. Another episode of our team by team previews today we have the Canberra Raiders um some would say the people's team not me but some um coming off a pretty challenging 2021 campaign a lot of renewed optimism for 2022 but before we get into all that Mitchell patreon.com forward slash NRL boom rookies if you want to support the lads so the Coltrane Cup competition will be starting up again uh next year we're talking with Nick Canton who finished second in that competition last year by virtue of uh tipping Canberra against Penrith um <laughs> Um, got to support the team. <laughs> got to support the team. You got to support the team. It is the most fun tipping comp you'll ever be involved with. I promise you that. The rules and stuff are all on our Twitter page in a video. Um, it takes two, a minute to understand that all you pick one game a week. There's a couple of little rules that's included in your Patreon membership, as well as access to our Discord server, merchandise, uh, rookie takes, nominations, privileges, as well as priority at question time and other stuff as well. There'll be bonus pods throughout the year. Now that we're back into footy season, too. So lots of reasons and never a better time to sign up. Patreon.com forward slash Robin Rookies Mitchell. And if you're a Raiders fan, it is the greatest group of Raiders fans there outside yeah, the That Green is actually House. true. That is genuine. <laughs> yeah, no, it actually is. I am not a technologically adept person. I actually really dislike the internet and most of the forms it takes. But the, the Raiders group on Discord is really, it's a really good mix of good insight analysis, you know, discussion, and then just a little bit of like totally off the wall lunatic shit as well you know it's everything you could want out of a group of raiders supporting idiots i'm proud to be a part of it yeah we have so if you, we have private uh if you team you support you get access to your private team discord that's what he's talking about there the raiders one's awesome and i do enjoy i'm like the, i'm the sicko from outside yes all the time yeah. watching you guys it's good it's good Great. discord does um, the right. does the titans team discord still only have you in it bungard yeah it's just me <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I haven't ruined it yet I've, Thank, I've been don't, if, sometime, I'll just but... delete it if you do. Every couple of months, I just post a message in there. Like, I think I started with like, oh, I can't believe we didn't get Brandon Smith. And then there's just like, oh, good good work today, boys. Oh, unlucky today, lads. Just one message from me to nobody every two months. Uh, it's the a fifth that nobody fifth sees, May, but I'm enjoying why it. Why the fuck did we sign these Sun Masters? And yep. then, uh, in July, I reckon we can make the finals of a few things go our way. Uh, the, uh, the 4th of August, what is it? Holbrook, Holbrook must go. It goes one win, boys. We can do this. And the, the the cherry on top is obviously a week later. Fucking Patrick Herbert. Oh well, there's always next year, lads. <laughs> yep. Glad I to mean, see you keep spirits high in there, Bungins. It's a Thanks. joke. I should for put two a pre- people. Sh- it's great. I should put a preseason <laughs> message in there at some point. I'll get around to it. Regardless, <laughs> if you're a Titans fan, feel free to join. We'll have a yeah. great time. You, you pretty much have a private channel to the the hosts of the show. So there you go. Uh, and before we get into all the Raiders stuff, a quick shout out to the people. In the top two tiers of our Patreon subscription service, they are Dave, Carlo Tyson, Rocky and Rafi Stew, Wayne Ritchie, Anthony Anger, Ben Wallace, Butsy, Cam Beswick, Dan Cullinan, Doc Hogg, and anonymous backer, 
Frankie, JSG, James K, Jason, Joel Regley, Josh Brandon, Lachlan Hancock, Leon, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Matty Jenkins, Matt Coleman, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Morgan Watkins. My ding dong is hard and I am sad. Never trendy. Party keg. Razor, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Seymour Butts, Simo, Stephen Hickey, Schwarzy, Ty, the not so mature student, Thought Lakeoff, Tom Hardy, and Was. Thank you so much for your support. Everyone in the lower tiers and everyone who just listens, thank you as well. The Raiders of Canberra. Nick, what do we got? You know, it's funny. You mentioned how last year was really challenging for them. Something that really stood out to me is I think it was it was quite early in the season. It was about round 10 or 11. And I think it was when the Josh Hodgson stuff was just really cresting and they were really doing it tough. And Mitch said to me that they were playing like a team that was waiting for the season to end and the season wasn't even halfway through yet. And that's really how it was. It's like so much happened to them last year that drained away what made them special in 2019 and 2020. So 2019 and 2020, as you guys will all remember, they were good because they were so competitive and so tough and they were able to just hang in there with games and they played it with a whole lot of a whole lot of spirit. And it felt like that all got drained away. And they managed to right the ship a little bit and nearly make the finals. If they'd beaten, they'd won maybe one or two more games than they're definitely in. But I'm glad they didn't make it because if they had made it, it would have it would have masked a lot of issues at the club. But I think what's really good is they seem to have addressed a few of those issues over the off-season, you know. I don't think there was a single team that got hit harder by the by the uh, increased use of the six again than Canberra because the style that they played with, which was based on defence and tackling and attrition, just wasn't viable anymore in a PV, in a PV, PVL ball world. But they've made steps to address that, you know. They've got a lot more passing medals this year that I really like. I really like the addition of Jamal Fogarty. Uh, Nickel Klukstad's going to be fit again. I feel like everything's falling together. So, like undefeated premiers, perhaps, perhaps. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ruling it out. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. Like, it's, we had the same opinion last year that they they hit a wall real early, and I think really some early. of the off-field stuff, George Williams, Josh Hodgson, all those kind of things. A lot of that stuff's resolved now. Even though Hodgson's still at the club, we know it's the last ride for for Josh. And it feels like a lot of that's been resolved. The seven jersey magically got fixed out of nowhere. You know, Jamal Fogarty's on his way there. And whilst a lot of people want better, I think Jamal will do a perfectly capable job at the Raiders. And they still have that great forward pack. And they have to learn to play a bit different to what was the best of them. Josh Hodgson is just not a six-again hooker. So I don't know how they're going to manage that rotation this year if it's like 50 minutes of Starling and Hodgson does the hooker lock move potentially. Uh, but I do think Tom Starling's probably the, the way forward for their success this year. So hopefully we see him sprinkled in a lot more than we, we did last year. Obviously back last three games last year, I think they did that and it looked a lot better. Yeah, they did. It, it took them a really long time to get to it though. And you're right. Hodgson's not really a six again type nine, but he's mm. pretty, he's a, he's a very, very adept six again 13 because he actually takes on the line really exactly. well. He's very comfortable at first receiver. And he's even comfortable kicking out a first receiver. Like there's definitely problems if you have him at lock for more than maybe 30 or 40 minutes because he's not the best defender in the world anymore, especially not one-on-one. But I would really like to see him first in it. Like honestly, my first or second interchange with Canberra every week would be getting Starling on and having Hodgson push back to lock because it just opens up so many different so many different things for them, you know? Yeah, because when they made that switch back, like back in the last year, they, they missed the finals. What They weren't for and against pretty much, wasn't it, last year with the Titans? I I, that right? uh, yeah, no, it was yeah, for and against. Yeah, it was too, but yeah. whatever, there was 90 points in it, so it's not close. But they actually, when they made that change, like they, they lost to Manly by one point. They, they, they beat the Warriors. They lost to the Storm by 10, which is not a lot. And they got thumped by the Roosters, whatever. But they actually, 
compete a lot more after they made that change at the yeah. back end of the year. So I do think that's a good way forward for them this season. And it looks like it is just preseason. It looks like guys like Corey Horsburgh is back in shape and back taking his footy Red, seriously. Red Horse is my like I had two tips for breakout play this year. One was Harley Smith Shields and he did his knee unfortunately. But the other one was was Red Horse because he had he had his great rookie season in 2019 and then he lost most of 2020 to injury. And I don't think I don't think he did his rehab as well as he should have because at no mm. point last year did he look as fit as he had in 2019 or 2020. But he was still really effective when he did play because he's he's not just big and mean, he's really skillful as well. He's an excellent offloader and he's a really good passer. And he's the kind of guy who I could see by season's end him playing for Queensland, maybe even starting for Queensland or something like that. I think the Dolphins are going to come in and sweep him and sweep him up. But he's someone who I think Canberra should have really high hopes for this season. And what I really like, I like the idea of him playing a bigger role in the rotation. And I like the idea of Whitehead playing in the middle because Canberra didn't have a passer in the middle last year except for Hodgson. And you could see, I know trial form, shit form, we can't read too much into it, but you could see mm. in the two games that they have played, there's been a lot more interchange of passing from the middles, even from guys like Tarpanay and Papaliti that aren't as well known for it. So I really like that they've taken that next step and that they've, they're trying to evolve their style of play. I think Mick Crawley coming back as an assistant to look after the attack again is really important for that. So if Canberra's moving the ball around a lot more and really using those ball skills to to isolate defenders, they're so big and strong all over the park that if it's a one-on-one matchup, most guys on the team are going to be able to win a one-on-one battle more often than not. So the idea of them just promoting the ball a whole lot better really bodes well for their attack because their attack wasn't great last year. And honestly, it hasn't been great for a couple of years. It hasn't really been great since about 2018. But if they can just sort of lift that a little bit and keep and find a little bit of the defensive result they had in 1920, I, I think this is a team that should be aiming really high, you know? Yeah, and for reference, in that last trial, the, the one with Manly, the I don't know the minutes they played, and that's a random tip people. The reason why there's no minutes for trials games is too many interchanges. No one knows who's on and off the field. That's why if you look at NRL.com, there's a million minutes. But anyway, in that game, Horsburgh touched the ball 15 times and passed it past five occasions. Like That's a lot for a middle. You're passing you know, every every other run. And that's it. He's distributing the ball a bit more. And I, I did notice the same thing you're saying when I watched that game is that almost everyone who played in the middle passed the ball. They all passed yeah, and the, the, ball the time, the timing wasn't there for all of them. Like with Whitehead, especially, hmm. you could tell he was still getting comfortable in first receiver. But he's a really skillful forward, and I think as he gets the time, he'll end up being really effective. As the more minutes he played against Manly, the more comfortable he looked. He put yeah. Paralera and Ira through a nice gap in the second half. He Whitehead. I don't think he'll have eighty minutes in him at lock because he is slowing down and he's not as fit as he used to be. But that's another move that I could see going really well. But the problem for me with the isn't the talent they've got in the forwards because they've had talent in the forwards for a long time. It's Ricky knowing how to use them properly because Ricky's been a coach for 20 years now and he's never really worked out how to juggle his bench properly. It's always been a weakness of his. Even back at the Roosters, he would do crazy shit like play a bike for the first 10 minutes and then pull him off and then you wouldn't see him again. And he was still doing that last year with guys like Dinamis Lewis and Cia Soliolas. So... There's a winning combination in there, but what scares me is that Ricky Stewart's not going to be able to, to 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 find enough minutes for all the guys to be effective in the way they should be. Well, it's it's funny, like you guys have so many good forwards that, and I'm not saying Soiola or Dinamo Soiola were losses at the time then they're leaving the club. I think it was time for both of them, but those are two guys who were significant part of the rotation in the past. They're gone, and you've added Adam Elliott. 
and it still looks like you have too many forwards for a 17. Like, <laughs> you've got so many good forwards. Like, you know, you probably what is your best pack? Like, is it Papa, uh, Josh Papali, Tarpanay, Hudson Young, Whitehead, Harawira Naira, and the bench is like Sutton? I think, I think you have to start Elliot because I think Harawira Naira is so much more effective off the bench. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, anyway, the other ones being Sutton, Harawira Naira, and Horsburgh. Is that, yeah. is that it? Well, then there's yeah. there's Gueuler there's yeah. as well. There's Peter there Holler who looks who looks to be a fair player as well. He was a good he was a a buy that I quite like. There's Trey Mooney who they reckon is yeah. Has, has got got a fair bit about it. him. Like, there's a lot going on. Yeah, you got heaps of forwards, and then you guys struggled for back depth for a long time, and it's unfortunate with Harley Smith Shields, but we've got controversy in the backs somehow. <laughs> like who's going to start? Oh. But yeah, well, the fullback stuff is hilarious. I'm loving I, it. Like... I, I, Mitch, I could not, I could not believe it. I could not believe it. Like Xavier Savage had a had that one really good game last year against the Sharks, mm-hmm. where he did very, very well, and we were very, very impressed. But if you watched even the entirety of that game, or if you watched the games he played last year, I don't know how you could come away from that thinking that that one he was ready to play fullback in first grade, let alone that he was ready to get rid of Nickel Crookstar. You know, and then it just all ramped up again after the tr- the trial against the Roosters. I I couldn't so believe what I was hearing, honestly. <laughs> like, and then but he's saw, so fast, saw, Camper. You can't train super, speed, I know he's man. Super, I know he's super fast, but he's just. I just don't think he's physically developed enough to take twenty carries a game from the back. And you could see last year how much Canberra missed Chance's um, defensive mm-hmm. organisation from the back. I think a lot of the effort and the energy and the intensity that teams played with over the last couple of years comes from guys like him, really leading by example. And I wrote a story yeah. about Canberra's fullback battle in the aftermath of that uh, Raiders-Roosters trial. And Nickel Klukstad, who's a, a really, really nice guy and never speaks out of turn, he actually spoke pretty strongly about how he like, fullback's his position. And if Savage is going to come get it, he's going to have to do a damn good job. It was basically the challenge Nickel Klukstad equivalent of telling him, you know, sit down, young blood, dad's home, and I'm playing fullback. You know, I'm really glad that's all behind us because it was something I just didn't understand. It's bizarre. Like, I, I like X as well. And I was staring your Raider fellas up for a while there. Like, X is not the fullback for this season. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But, but Chance, it's, it's, it's just because he didn't play right. People have forgotten what he meant to the Raiders. It feels like how good he was. And they're, they're excited by the potential of Xavier Savage. But it's like Chance was one of the better fullbacks going around. And as you said, a lot of the good things the Raiders did came from him. But also, another guy you got back in Nick Cottridge. It's like, you guys have got back two of the massive yardage players essentially for this year and Rapana's Jordan Rapana we all love well not all of us love Jordan Rapana sorry (laughs) some of us love Jordan Rapana but you got those guys back you have Tomoko Croker Savage can maybe compete for a spot Semi Valame might play center for some reason that's crazy you got heaps of options out wide now it's um it just feels like a a much better like 22 23 player group than what you were you had towards the back end of last year when I was on this, the when I was on this show last year, the Raiders, the Raiders preview one, and I was talking about the back line because last year it was completely different. There was a lot of inexperience yep. in the backs, and I said there is a lot of inexperience, but that doesn't mean there's not talent, you know. And but guys like Smith Shields and Tomoko really came on as the year went on. It's at the point now where I think the only two guys who are locked on starters for round one from two to five are Tomoko and Kotrick, you know. And if you've got Rapana, Tomoko, Kotrick, and Nickel Clockstad in your back five, that's a, that in terms of yardage, that's close to as good as it gets in the competition. Never mind who's playing, who's playing, the, who's, who the other center is, if it's Jared Croker, if it's anybody else. And that's something Canberra really missed last year. They never had a, they never had a consistent back five and they never had a consistent back five 
that were providing heaps of yardage and there was so much pressure on the forwards to to do that you know so I'm really excited for what that back line might be able to bring bring together especially once you know Rapana gets back and they really get the top side out there you know yeah, and it does feel like people think it feels like the same team, but you have seven players from your round one lineup last year that aren't at the club this year. And another one is Sebastian Chris, who likely doesn't start. Like, that's a lot of change every year. And the back line, start, like Simonson, Chris and Scott, the three of the of the four guys in your back line last year. Well, they, they, and they needed they needed some fresh blood in there. I, th- I thought did. the team did get a little bit stale at times last year, and, and and they played a little bit stale. So I like that they're getting some young guys in there. I like that they've brought in someone like Fogarty and somebody like Elliot, who might not be vocal presences, but they're fresh presences, you know. And and they and I know Elliot at least is a is a is a big personality who I think will really help freshen the group up. And that, and that's kind of what they need because this is a squad that's getting that's getting older, you know, all the, a lot of the recruits that Ricky Stewart brought in when he first came to Canberra, there's not many of them left now. And the ones that are left are all, you know, closer to the end than the start. So I think a fresh approach will really do a whole lot of them a world. But that's another reason I'm glad Mick Crawley's back because it's just a fresh voice in there. You know, it's not just Ricky and Brett White, like it has been for the last Mm. four or five years, you know, and they've done a really good job, but it's important to get new voices in there as well. So uh, yeah, man, I'm, 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 quite bullish on Canberra's chances this year. I'm excited to see how they go. Yeah, I, I think Adam Elliott might end up being one of the signs of the seasons because those are the type of the guys that he ticks the right boxes that he got the plays. He, okay, off-field issues, yeah. Again, in isolation, nothing he ever did was really that big of a deal. It's just a lot of little things at, at the Bulldogs. But, you know, really talented guy, good in the, in the middle, capable on the edge, gets to join a good forward pack for the first time in his career. Mm. You know, the first time ever, and you'd be on fuck all cash as well. Those are the things that end up being in 10 weeks. You'd be thinking, geez, how the fuck did the Raiders just get Adam Elliott down there? For like, how did no one else want him? Well, he, it's just uh, when they when Canberra signed him, I, I knew a few Raiders fans that didn't like it, not because of the off field stuff, but just from a personnel standpoint. But I think anytime you can get someone who's equally comfortable at second row or lock and can do both roles pretty well, mm-hmm. like that, it's just a guy worth having. It's like when they signed Hadawira Naira. Like he, it was just better to have him than to not, and then you just work mm. the rest out later. I am surprised that he is going to end up starting on, on the edge because I know how how resistant Whitehead was to moving to lock a few years ago, but yeah. I don't mind it either because I actually thought Whitehead had quite a poor season on the edge last year. I thought he, he looked did. slow a lot. I thought his defensive effort, which has always been a hallmark of his play, wasn't quite there anymore. Maybe it's because the game's a little bit quicker and he he couldn't quite take that step, or maybe he's just slowed down a little bit because he's older and he's played a lot of footy. But I like the idea of. Adam Elliott out there, particularly with Jack with Jack Whiten, because Jack Whiten can make some bad defensive decisions, and with someone like Adam Elliott, that can that can really help shore up that edge. So, it should yeah. be good. I'm looking forward to it. You can never have too many good players and favorable deals for your club. You can have too many guys who've all paid a shitload of money, but like, yeah, just like when Papa Lee went to the Eels last year when he was on like no money, it's like they didn't know where he was going to play when they got him. They just like, got him. They just got him, and then he started. He was a bench prop week one, ended up being the best back row in the comp last year. Like, I'm not saying Adam Elliott's got that in him, but it's like, yeah, who cares mm. if it's a problem of where he's going to play? He's good. They cost him nothing, and it looks like he's going to be a starter or at least play significant minutes every week for, for the club. I think that was a, a really good signing, and I think that's what the, the Raiders have built their success on when Ricky got back there, was just like smart, cheap signings. It's not really off cast. But like guys like like Soiola, no one else wanted Soiola, for yeah. example, when they brought him there. Dynamis Louis was wasn't really chased by anyone. Like they got decent players, they got the best footy out of them. And I think Elliot, like playing with a 
a pack of that quality will have a pretty good season. Bunga, do you want to go to do you want to go to school on Jack White in a little bit or? <laughs> no, I've said I've said all that needs to be said in the Freddie Fitler esque. I mean, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I I I don't want to beat a dead horse too much. Um, look, if he if he plays well, good luck to him. But I just like him to get you know one tenth of the scrutiny that a guy like Ben Hunt or Latrell Mitchell or Cody Walker gets. That's all. It's not, not his fault, happen. mate. It's, it's not his tef- fault, tef- mate. The Teflon Don, dude. Nothing. The Teflon sticks. Don of well, not Canberra. He's not allowed there. But the Teflon Don of somewhere. He's only not allowed in Canberra because he banned himself from the CBD. I'll have I you mean, that, I think that doesn't detract from my point. <laughs> so <laughs> I think we're fine. Uh, what and like what and. I don't know. He he perplexes me maybe more than any other player in the history of the Raiders because he's he's one of he's one of their best ever players. All right, he he, he just is. He won the Clive Churchill Medal. He won the Dalian. That's the sort of stuff that only Ricky Stewart and Laurie Daly and Brad Clyde and all of them have done. So just by virtue of having achieved that, he's one of the most significant figures in the Raiders' history, right? And he was so important in that 2019 team that got that got to the grand final and all of that. But he also just shits me to tears all the time, all the time. And I, I really don't like how every time Ricky Stewart gets asked about Jack Whiten and how poor he was last year, he always says, oh, we didn't make it easy on Jack. Like he didn't have a consistent halfback. He didn't have a consistent hooker. He didn't have a consistent fullback. And that's all true. And that all that did make it tough on Whiten. But at some point, it has to be acknowledged. Jack Whiten's been in first grade for 10 years. He's played nearly 200 games. He is he is the fucking blockbuster player in that spine. He's the big mm-hmm. dog. He's the don. Like at some point, it's got to be on him. And it's and I've seen a lot of seen a lot of talk about how Fogarty's going to come in as an organizer and really open things up for White because it's just going to let him run. I don't actually like that. I want no. them to challenge White. I want them to to challenge White and to take more of a role in directing. So not a huge role. I don't want him out there being Cooper Cronk. But I want Whiten to run around the park a little bit more. I want Whiten to play both sides of the field. You know, I don't want Whiten to just hang out on his left edge and kick around and wait for Fogarty to get it to him. I want Whiten to go in and get involved and chase the ball and put a stamp on the game. Like, like for example, I know, I know, Bungard, it, it absolutely fucking kills you when people say Whiten's the best five eight in the game instead of Cody Walker. But what I love about Cody Walker is Cody Walker, if the game's not coming to him, he'll go get it. Like he'll go and get his hands on the ball and get involved. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but he'll do it. <laughs> Whiten, Whiten can just let games pass him by sometimes. And for a player who's capable of what he's capable of and has played in the big games he's played in and is experienced as he is, it's just not good enough anymore, man. Like I need I need Jack Whiten to start playing like the Jack Whiten a lot of people believe he is, you know? Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Like, I think the excuses, whilst it's trying to protect Jack, it also doesn't challenge him enough to be better at the things he's bad at. Like, he's allowed, it's, I get they're allowed to make mistakes. He's allowed to throw in his set passes or kick the ball dead or whatever, and not be responsible for that. Yeah. Like, yeah, the mistakes I, I are going to happen. I, get, I understand why Ricky does it because Ricky has, yeah. had a, has had a weird relationship with so many of his halfbacks. And so many of them, after the fact, have said, yeah, he was super intense and incredibly overly critical, and it really got in my head. So I think he's trying to, to make it easier on White, and so I completely understand why he's doing it that way, but I think he's almost overcorrected. You know, I, I want them to challenge White, and I want them to to get to – I want them to, to give him more responsibility. I, I, I don't know if he'll thrive with it, but I think he should be given that opportunity. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And it's about, as you said, it's about time instead of saying it's everyone else's fault for them not playing well. It's about time. It's like, you know what? It's Jack Whiten's job to make that guy play better. You know, it was the good players, you know, generally drag another half up with them sometimes, you know, and maybe Jack can start doing that with Fogarty. Make Fogarty, make, his, make Fogarty's job easier, not make Jack's job easier. You know, who's the yeah, one making a yeah. million dollars a year? Well, it's it, it sort of dates back a little bit more to when Blake Austin was the 5-8, but he had mm. a good combination with... Um, Josh Hodgson sometimes, because when Hodgson went, Austin would just push up with him, almost like he was a fullback. That's mm. the sort of stuff I want to see Whiten doing. I want to see him getting involved in the play more as a as a support runner, attacking up the middle of the field. He doesn't really do that. He more just hangs out on the edges. He never attacks through the middle again like Cody Walker does in conjunction with Damian Cook or anything like that. I think there's levels of Jack Whiten's game that he's yet to he's yet to unlock, you know. Dude. And if he can unlock him, I think it can take Canberra a really long way. Dude, he can score 15 tries a year in the current rules easy, maybe more. If yeah. he just, as you said, followed the play, got to first receiver a bit more on the back of breaks, at his size, he'll beat one. He just run know, through. Like that yeah. try he scored on, that try he scored in the trial was just like him running at Jake Tavoyevich one-on-one and just beating him. And that's there that more than ever has been in his career in the current well, rules. Like that's well, there for Jack White. And if he follows the play more and gets another side of the field and like you said, that, yeah, absolutely. And that was off, that was off Horsburgh digging really deep into the line. Yeah, it was that yeah, first yeah. receiver and giving White in that room. Like if he's just getting involved more, there's passes all over the field. Like I said before, they can isolate defenders and get White in one-on-one and he can beat anyone in the game one-on-one. He's the size of a house and his step is deadly and he's quick as hell. Like, oh man. I, I have I've I'm setting myself up to get hurt, but I have really high expectations for him this year, you know. Yeah, he doesn't touch the ball enough for a half in the past. No, I think he it's, it's he time doesn't. he does. But I don't like, it's I don't think it's an effort thing either because no. he, he gets involved in defense and he throws himself around and all of that. Like I don't think it's an effort thing or an interest thing. I can't put my finger on why he's not onto it more, but um there's there's definitely levels for him to go, you know, and by the end of the year. He probably will be better than Cody Walker for real this time. You know? <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's a good face we've got there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. You don't look happy. Oh, look. I mean, wrap him uh, up, bud guy. <laughs> like, no, look. No, no, no. This is this this is this is this is all fine. This is all classic Campo with his best case scenario. Blah blah blah. But then we get to like, you know, round eleven or something. The Raiders haven't found any of their best backline combinations. They've got a couple of injuries. They're three and eight and the drums are not beating for Ricky Stewart because they never, ever are. Um, and we're just looking exactly like we were last year. I have the Canberra Raiders finishing 11th. Well, I hate that. I've got them seventh. They're in. There you go. I've got, yeah, them, I've, I've, got... I've, I've, I've got them. I've got them sixth, um, <laughs> which is ambitious. But I feel like, so there's the, the top tier of teams, which is, you know, Penrith and Melbourne and the Roosters. And then there's kind of your next level, which is um, Para and Manly. And then I think I've got Souths a little bit behind those two. And then I think Canberra's, Canberra's, oh my God, dude, just, I'm trying to speak. Will you let me go? We're just going to sit here in silence now. Oh, man. <laughs> so I've got, and I've got Souths a little bit back on those two. And then I think Canberra's in that following pack with um, with Cronulla, with um, maybe the, Broncos. the Titans if things go all right for The Broncos. Them. Sure, the Broncos. Why not? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but... So I, I, think, I think Canberra will finish between sixth and tenth somewhere. I don't think there's going to be a lot between those teams. 
But I think they'll they'll get hot and end up finishing six. And I would love, I would absolutely love a Raiders South six. Oh, I miss, seventh. I misspoke. Sorry, I have them tenth, not eleventh. I apologize. That's okay. I would love a Raiders South six seventh, where the winning, the whoever wins out of me and Bungard will just, just give each other lose. shit. For like ages, and then they'll lose the by then, they'll, then we lose by forty the next week. That's great. Like that's a that's a that's a that's a gentleman's uh, finals exit. That. That's yeah. No, that's fine. No, neither of our teams is winning the comp. So yeah, I didn't think I'd have the Raiders in my eight until I actually put down. I'm like, yeah, these are the six I've got like locked in. I, I will say the, the only teams, and I'm like, fuck it. The Raiders yeah, can there's beat so all many of these teams. teams. The, the yeah. only reason I don't have them in is mainly because Nick and I made a bet that Cronulla would finish higher than the Raiders. So. Yeah, um, like I I know that people don't rate Ricky Stewart over, but if you if you played the game on paper on the best twenty one or the best seventeen, their their squad is better than everyone else. Like I have listed below them, like it's better. It doesn't mean it's gonna work time, out like that, but every time people think Ricky's done, he mm-hmm. comes back. Every yeah. every time, every time. Every, I've thought he was done like four times, and he's come back and and put another good team together. You know, so well, mate. Eventually, eventually he'll run out of bullets, but I don't know. He's proved me wrong many times before, so um, it wouldn't shock me at all if he does it again. Who, who, whomst is a young player, and uh, that you have got your eye on this year, Nick, and and who's someone that is going to have a big year? Well, we've already touched on most of them. Like I, I think Horsburgh was uh, but... my number one. I thought Smith Shields was going to have a monster year um, before he got done for the season. There's a lot of guys in Canberra who have been forced to play a lot of first grade over the last couple of seasons who will really benefit from a year in reserve grade. Like someone like Semi Valamay, I think if he has a year in reserve grade, he'll come back and be unrecognisable. Um, but this, like the guy I'll pick, he's not a, he's not the youngest of dudes. He's been around for a couple of years, Hudson Young. I think Hudson Young might play Origin this year. He was pretty good last year. Yeah, he's he's yet to string a full season together of strong performances, but he's put together like a month or six weeks here and there where he's been fantastic, but both on the edge and in the middle. And then something happened, like he'll like out someone. I don't know if he'll, I don't know if play Origin blue because I think that position's so deep. But well, it is, it is. But yeah. there's a spot on the bench for a guy who can play middle and edge, who can come on and just wreck shit, like Liam. And Martin his name is year. Keon Kaloma Tungi. <laughs> well, yeah, like 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 Keon's another dude that could that could do that. You know what I mean? Like, but I think Hudson Young. If a things, if a couple of things go all right, say we get to Origin one and Canberra's six and three or something like that, and Hudson yeah, Young's putting up I huge numbers, it. it's not the craziest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. So I'm. Again, it's not like he's a breakout player or something, but I'm expecting a breakout year. I'm expecting him and to string together a, a good, a full good season. Who have you got Canberra playing in the grand final? Oh, I, personally, I think the Roosters are going to piss the competition in this God, year. This boring. They, we all just feel the same. I know it sucks. Yeah. I know it sucks. But I think, I think they're going to have one of those seasons where they only lose like four games. So I, I think it's Canberra v Roosters, and I. <laughs> <laughs> Worked myself into an absolute state thinking about 2019, but this time the Roosters win by 50. So, um, look, we look, we we because we're doing these daily pods, uh, some new stuff is passing us by. There was a story we wanted to talk about today, we probably should have done it with Simon given it does affect the West Tigers, but we forgot, and you're here, so we can talk about this, uh. This plan that Parramatta have to have these games against both Penrith and the West Tigers, um. Pretty much be members, mem- members, members only, <laughs> black black members only at um <laughs> at uh at Bank West uh, Combank Stadium. I um, hate that. Now I see. I love it. Oh, no, I hate so, the name Combank. Or I can't oh, get the core and Com- I'm going to two stadiums change. Hang name on, can we? Year. 
It's against can the we rules. Just, can we as a podcast agree to just keep calling it Wankbest slash Bankwest? Of course. Yes. Okay, good. All right, fine. Well, anyway, so the, the plan is, this is in the Daily Telegraph today, um, for the first time in regular history, Parramatta will lock out the general public for two massive home games because of expected overwhelming demand. Tickets for Parramatta's Easter Monday match against the West Tigers and the club's round 20 game against Penrith, both to be played at Wankbest Stadium, will only be available to Eels members. Okay, so expected is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. I think the Easter Monday game will definitely would be because like they'll still like regardless of how badly their season starts, that's early enough in the season that like that but, game will sell out. I, I, I listened to the pod that you guys did with your man from the Cumberland throw. It was really good and I agreed with all of you about how good Parramatta can be this year. Mm. But is there a team in the league that has a greater history of over promising and underlivering than the no. Eels? Like no. remember when that thing came out a few years ago that they wanted to have two premierships by twenty nineteen? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like they're too I short. Would, that's them. I, yeah, yeah, that's it. I, I would love it if we get to these games and it's like, holy shit! Yeah, it's it's parent members only. It's going to be like a just bunch of feral blue and gold psychopaths screaming for blood. Like that would be awesome. Yeah, but I don't. I think know, the Easter Monday ambitious. one is not in it's doubt ambitious. because it's so early in the season. The other one maybe, but look, I like. But let's move past the hypotheticals of whether they're going to be good or not at the time. Let's talk about the actual. Um, premise i think it's a great idea and i i said that today some people agree with me a few people push back a little bit saying it's not fair but to them i say shut the fuck up i mean is because, that not the ambitious of every club wants yes, to be right of course it is like what hang on like like there's there's arguments about a lot of things in sport whether they help whether they hinder but two things that inarguably have an effect on teams is travel travel and home ground advantage they Teams feed off crowds. They just do. It's been statistically proven that having like a big home crowd support over a long period of time helps you. And so in a sport where we're constantly looking at trying to get like 0.1% of, of, of an advantage by doing X, Y, Z with, you know, training methods and, and tactics and all everything else. It's like, this is something that is going to give like a, several percent advantage i would imagine you can't really quantify it but like it's going to help a lot to just have no away fans and just be as as campo said just the blue and gold fanatics going feral and it's like i do feel like it will help penrith i feel like penrith would be dancing in front of no penrith fans happily (laughs) that's a fair point but that that, that assumes that assumes bungers that they are going to pack the joint out you know, mm-hmm. yeah, but Which again, I, I, don't actual, I don't want to talk about the action. I don't want to talk about the specifics no, no, of the no, Parramatta but, game doing but, but it. I want to talk about I'm, the concept saying, in general. Yeah, I know. But and whether the is, concept is what I'm okay. Saying is say this, say Parra do this, right? And they only get 8,000 people or whatever to this Penrith. Okay. Game, right. Gotta be fun. No club will ever do it again. After That's that. true. You know what I mean? That like it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a high risk play in that regard. If, if the NRL was in a situation where every club had 40,000 members and 20,000 of them showed up every week, and you're locked out the opposition, then 100%, I would say, go for it. But like, say, Para do this and it works and other clubs decide to do it. Imagine if the Titans lock out away fans. You know, you get I mean, that would, But that like, would never happen. Getting, they don't, they've getting, never sold getting, out a game. You're getting, you're getting you there as the head of their Discord. No, channel. no, no, no. That, you know, that, like, they're <laughs> not selling it out to stop. They're not locking it out because of like just well, they, they have more members They're locking than it seats. out because they have more members than seats, Nick. That's why they're doing it. The Titans would never do that because they... Have never sold out a game, as far as I know. If they so, have like, more members, if they have more members than seats, why don't they sell out every week? Because they're not because some people don't always, show up. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I would love to see it work because I would love that kind of hostile environment. 
yeah. for a team to go in and play in. I just don't. I just don't know if the NRL membership membership base is strong enough to pull off something. It's like definitely this. an early call, but I liked yeah. that. It was definitely like it wasn't like I'm not, there were like one eight in a row. I, I, and like I, we I, want, I want out. this to work. Yeah. If the, well, no, this, this, this isn't something. This is not something South playing at ANZ could ever do, right? Yeah. But it is something your Canberra Raiders could do, for example. And it is something that the Tigers have done in the like. They haven't done it, but like there's been games where it's been nigh impossible to get a ticket at Leichhardt unless you remember, like. We've had similar things. And I'll go one step. Like, I hate it in NRL, AFL, whatever. I hate it when teams forfeit their home ground advantage to accommodate more fucking blow-ins for big games. I fucking cannot stand it. It does my head in. And there are people that, oh, what about the fans who can't afford a membership? I was like, is that really your argument right now? Like, it's it's for starters, it includes non-ticketed membership, which costs like 30 bucks. So... Like if you like if you can't afford that, you can't afford a ticket anyway. So it's a moot point. Um, and the other thing is like, just because you're an away fan of it, you don't have this divine right to go to football games. That's just not how it works. And my comparison was, and obviously it's not exactly the same because a billion more fans over there, but like it's the same thing in England. If you unless you're part of like the select two thousand fans who get away seats at a big game, you don't go. And that's just how it works. And that's how it should work. Why why should teams forfeit an advantage in the crowd? to appease people who they're not beholden to. It's never made sense to me why Geelong have to play prelim finals at the MCG so more fucking Hawthorne fans can come and cheer against it. It never makes sense to me why the NRL makes Cronulla not play at Shark Park in semifinals, makes them play at the footy stadium miles away from their home with like, if anything, a fan disadvantage with whomever they're playing against. Penrith, the same thing when they used to have to play at the SFS. None of that's ever made sense to me. And I think that this is probably the first step in rectifying that to an extent and just trying to acknowledge the fact that if you're a member of a club, if you're a diehard fan of a club, then yes, you should deserve to have this thing that other people don't get. And that's just like, I think that's good. I don't know. You're conflating conflating two different things. I completely agree that it's fucked when they move, like Mm. when they make the Sharks play a semi-final at the old footy stadium or whatever. That's stupid. But I also reckon that somebody should be able to go and see their team play every week, regardless of where they play. Like, if if I'm like I should if if I have the means and the time, I should be able to go see every single camera game regardless. But, of but it's what it's one game like, though, dude. Yeah, I know, I know. But but again, Paramount have more, I don't think, have I don't more members than fans. So yeah, what's the solution under, here? No, dude, I'm just I'm just saying. Like you say, you know, what right does an away fan have to go to a game or something like that? They should always have the right to to go to a game. You shouldn't. Like, I don't think it's right to say. You know, this fan has no right to go to this game. I'm not saying this fan, like I'm saying Nick Campton. I'm saying like when, when Atletico Madrid won the league at the camp now in Barcelona in 2012, whatever it was, in the camp now holds 60,000, 70, I don't know. It holds like a shit ton of people. It's like 120,000, isn't it? It's, it's a lot. It's Maybe it's more. It's like, uh, do you know how many away fans were there? 600. This is an amazing photo of this tiny 99,000 at holds. There you, there you go. And you look up this photo, Atletico Madrid away fans, 2012, whatever it was, like there's this like section of like 400 people that are still there in this empty stadium after they win the game and win the league. And it's amazing. And that's beautiful to me. And when you have a home team and the Parramatta aren't Barcelona, but when you have a home team, that's got this number of fans and a world-class stadium and a fan of that team who in an ideal world, if they're going well and the fans who have the memberships want to go, if they don't suck, every seat's accounted for. So Mm. uh, What's I, I Nick? I get what you're saying, but like there are a finite number of seats, and if every person who's a Parramatta member wants to go to this game, 
that fills up all the seats. So what is your solution to allow more away fans to go to this game because they have a right to go? Oh, to no, it's worth a, it's it's worth a try. I don't think this. I don't think it'll work, but it's worth a try. I like that. I like yeah. the teams trying stuff. It. Uh, I I do want to see the camera too. It's hard. Like it, over a long time, we've proven Sydney fans that we turn up to shit. So we'll see if it actually happens. If if it that actually packs out. Parramatta have the biggest bandwagon of any team bar none. By the they way, do. they're they going. Do. If they're going well, this team this thing will work. But I, uh, I want to say, Bungard, I know it's really relevant, but I'm doing the campo this time. I'm going off the rails. You playing at Alhim Stadiums reminded me of 2004 again, where the Broncos. Wayne better had a fever dream that week or something. He was off his goddamn rock. Oh, this. Week. Yeah. yeah amazing. Yeah, this is great. We lost to yeah, the this Storm in week one, and then we're supposed to be played in Sydney. And then he said the Broncos lost. We don't deserve home ground. So he fought, he fought for it to go to North Queensland. Growing the game. Yeah, and we went to King. Queens and lost 10 0. 10 0. Great game. But no, but he, but he, Miles, dream, he benched Gordon Towers for his last game ever. In his hometown. In his hometown. Last game ever. Started Ben Eichert at hooker. <laughs> like, just <laughs> Wayne, I don't know what he did that week. So, like, that weird Broncos had injury issues at hooker. They had, like, Barry Berrigan got out, knocked out side of the year, but, like, just lost his goddamn mind and it gave the home game to, to the Cowboys, like, the first ever home final and thought, you know what? We're going to fucking win this. What a charmed little <laughs> run that not. Cowboys final season was. They nearly won that Roosters prelim as well. Yeah. And with the name of that stadium, Bungard, I used to think there was three certain certainties in life. De- uh, birth, death, and me calling Westfield Tower, whatever it is, Centerpoint Tower. Yeah, I still call it Centerpoint Tower. The, the four, yeah, exactly. The four certainties. This Dairy is farmers. still wank best. This is, no, this is wank best stadium. <laughs> yeah, it is not. Can you imagine? Can you imagine 20, 2022 Wayne Bennett would, would not entertain for a second shifting that game? He'd not be furious a, if someone. For a second. Could you oh, imagine them being the journalist who asked him that question? If you asked him the question, "Hey Wayne, what do you recommend to play this game with other teams' home ground?" I'd kick me out of the he'd, Zoom if I asked something yeah, like that. Yeah, but, he'd but, send um, goons over to my house to destroy my computer. But yeah, every time we talk about playing in someone else's stadium, I always think of that game because like yeah. it was supposed to be played in Sydney, which is stupid. So they're like, "Let's move it back to Queensland." And Wayne's like, "No, let's move it further." Like, it's true. Like, <laughs> like what? Obviously, like, it, it's true. Like, some of the dumb fuckery that happened in this sport not even 20 years ago is truly remarkable to me. Like, the mate, like, that the, the Brisbane played home semis in Sydney all the fucking time. And that, like, we used to have games on it, fr- like, we used to have to show games on television on an hour delay. And people were just like, yeah, this, yeah. Makes, this makes perfect sense. Well, like, this is what yeah. the McIntyre says, all these stupid fucking things. These things are Nostalgia. not that old. I love yeah. the McIntyre's. And I, I know you do, bring- but, like, we try to bring back the old game, like like a buffet, pick out the good things. It's like no, like they're, they're attached to shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, you no. can't be a la carte nostalgic. You got to have the like whole deal. What it's other like sport would have? Yeah. It's incredible. What other sport would have allowed? Oh yeah. So the games are going to kick off at seven thirty on Friday nights, but we're going to start broadcasting them at eight thirty, so we can show a bunch of ads in the middle. And don't Google the result. Don't go <laughs> do it. <laughs> Yeah, I still right, can't believe right. that used to happen. What a fucking joke! It's, it's, cra- it's crazy how how recent it used to happen. Yeah, like it was, like, yeah, it's, like it's, it's. I think it's. I think it was twenty thirteen or fourteen. They finally yeah, they went st- to yeah. No, no, hang on. So the difference then was they had two Friday night games at the same time. So they yeah. uh, they showed one live. Back in the day when there was only one Friday game and it was on delay for no, so Burke's backyard could be on sh- and he's a pervert. So I meant terrible idea. Yeah. Um, Friday night was not a great night for footy. I ha- yeah, but I used to hate that stuff because, like, being a Brisbane fan in Sydney, it was pretty much every Brisbane game was on delay ever. Yeah, this is terrible. So I used to try and like once we got to that point, I was like streaming on terrible internet to watch from Brisbane the game live. Yeah, 
Ugh, I can't believe that was a been tough just being there. really successful and good every year, Mitch. It would have sucked as a kid. I'm a um, humble person yeah, he to, now. He had, he had to wait until 11.30 to say he put 60 on people. God, yeah, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it would be like if my team had ever won a game. We just talked talk about my terrible <laughs> crackpot coach taking a home final away. <laughs> oh, and, they, and they had to wait two whole years after that yes, to win a premiership. It, it breaks true. you a little hard. And then Ashton it? Sims ruined the season the year after. It was two tough years. Okay, that one you can bitch about because they, they haven't won one since then. Every conversation comes back to Ashton Sims. It does. He doesn't like Ashton Sims. That's the rule. Ben Shizlowski played in that season. As well, I don't like him. Oh. We talk about <laughs> the poor man's Nathan Highmark. <laughs> anyway, okay, I, 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 I like that Parramatta are doing it because it's pissing a lot of people off. And Worth that's a usually, try. Yeah. I, I don't know if it'll work, but I'm, I'm glad someone. And I can't wait to Penrith beat him in front of thirty thousand para fans. <laughs> I, I I'm gonna pick it for them to be a finite number of seats in the media box as well, Nick. And I'm gonna take your seat so they lock you out as well. <laughs> Love it. That's good. Uh, uh, is there any? There was. Some, I think there was one other news item, but I cannot for the life of me remember what it was now. So fuck it. Let's move on. Just, uh, the oh, stadiums underwater in Brisbane. Oh yeah, that's, that's awful. That like, seems any, to listeners. Yeah, stay strong. We love you. They look like it might be back for round one because they learned from the last floods. But if not, I, I think they might switch with South. Like South played Brisbane in round nine. Oh. They might just switch the home grounds. So we'll see. Uh, okay, it would make oh. sense if that's what they do, but yeah, they're still they're still going for it. So, what's um? Oh, yeah, the other crackpot what... news is New South Rugby League and the clubs fighting. That's oh funny. yeah, that's, that's, that's funny. Are we gonna fight. have another? Are we gonna have another Super League? This is like yeah, this is like reverse Super League, like Sydney oh. Super League. You know what I mean? It's so funny. Oh, yeah. I just, I, I'd like to. They, they don't really should go to the clubs. You know what? You run the comp for all the comps for you. Have fun, and then we'll see what, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, I. Yeah. This kind of stuff just really exhausts and bores me at this point. Just clubs grabbing oh. more power, even though they're all, already totally in charge of the game. Like, yeah, yeah, it just kills. Um, there's there's some judiciary uh, judiciary revamp story that's broken while we've been recording as well. More controversially, the, the the feedback called for the threshold to miss big games such as state of origin and finals to be higher than the regular season. We spoke this could this result like in years. player. Having to, yeah, but they're trying to punch it through by March 10th when the season starts. So fantastic. Rushing some ham-fisted idea Wait, through. What could go Luttrell, wrong? Latrell and Cheese and Reese Walsh have all are all gonna play are all gonna play round one because they went to the NRL and said, Oh, please. Yeah. The NRL said, Oh, I don't know. And they go, Oh, Wait, please. did Latrell wear his little puffy vest again? Probably. And the yeah, NRL Brandon said, Smith All right, yeah, he's going. That was it. Like, if you just ask for stuff, you'll probably get it now. Look at that just, hang dog expression. The coverage of the, we all know the coverage of the current admin. Like, they, they we still keep talking about oh, how bad Greenberg did, whatever. But the current suspension stuff is like that. Vlandis did this, and like, mm. we're just ignoring that. And we're just going to fix the system. It's like, we were the most, it was the most suspended comp ever last year because of him. And we're just like, acting like this is a long running. This has been a problem forever in the NRL. This Green was turd did this. It's like, and now, can you, like, can you imagine if Greenberg was around and had the crackdown like they had for Magic Round last year? It would have. No, there would have been torches and pitchforks enough. in the streets. The six man. again like, thing never would have happened. No, yeah. but like, like they had more people suspended last year than the two years prior, and more weeks missed, and and more fines like than the last like four years combined, and whatever. It's apparently just. We accepted that was just part of the game. We've got to fix it. We're not blaming anyone for that one, which is funny. So I agree with the the higher point level system, but uh, I think not handing out charges for goddamn everything is a bit, bit of a better answer. Like, I'm, I'm all for charges for serious issues. Like the hip drop, I think is terrible. Real foul playing yeah. smell, but everyone got sick of everyone getting charged for anything last year. Any, any tap on the head. 
the answer, as always, is let the boys play. I do Jeez. think crushes should be less scrutinized because most of them are accidental. They also have like yet have we seen one hurt a player yet ever? Like actually hurt a player? No, it's fair true. true they true. all hold their like, um it's one of those things, mate. At home, if someone hip drops you at home, we we both die. I can give you a crush in tomorrow and you'd feel not like you'd feel fine. It'd it'd, it'd hurt a little, but you'd be fine. It doesn't yeah, hurt that much. That's true. It's one of those ones that every player knows they're milking it. It does hurt, it twinges, but I I don't know. I have no idea why it's so so heavily scrutinized compared to other ones. As you said, most of it's dude backing into someone else. Yeah. And I feel like half the time they just like lie down and grab their neck in the tack on the ref just goes, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, crusher. Yeah, that's a penalty. Yeah. I don't know. Nick, anything? Any chance? Yes, I agree with this. <laughs> okay, well. Anything nice to plug, to Campo? Let's, let's oh, anything plug, plug. yeah. Well, and I, that's all we have time for <laughs> on this episode. I don't know. I thought you guys were still talking about crusher tackles and shit. Um, you guys might know. If, if you don't, I don't work for the Telegraph anymore. I work for the ABC. Um, I work for their sports website. You don't so need to log uh, in for that one. So I can't help you anymore. You don't need to log in. It's all free. Um, you all pay for it in a way, though, if you think well, about yeah, it. Well, yeah, you all pay with, with your taxes. But in the moment, it's free. So that's nice. Um I tweet most of my yarns, so if you follow me on Twitter, you can find them there. If not, just go to abc.net.au slash sports slash NRL, and most of the stuff on there will be my stuff. So yeah. I'm really enjoying the work I'm doing there, um, and I think some of it is pretty good, and you guys will like it. So keep an eye out for my stuff. I also agree that some of it is good. <laughs> <laughs> the nicest thing you ever said to me. Stop it. I'm so nice to you. Get out of here. Uh, but yeah, Campo, 37? 37. What is, why is it 37? Clerks, Kevin Smith, 37. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Thanks for coming on, Nick. Appreciate Thanks you. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always really fun. Yeah, we will. I'm sure you'll be back in a couple of weeks' time at some point. Just whenever. Just listen and the wind will blow. Boom, rookies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Say goodbye, Canton. Bye, guys. Say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. And it's goodbye from me. <laughs> <laughs>